It is time for our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Tuesday. Scott in here with you. We've got Jason Jorgensen and Susan Littlefield, Bob Brogan all in here with you. Another volatile day on the stock market. Bob will bring us a little bit more information as we get to that. Of course, that affects just about everything, but kind of a turnaround Tuesday here in the commodities. Susan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I would sing happy birthday, but then like we would lose every listener we ever had. So happy, happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. Just uh, one more year, you know, so whatever. (laughs) So thank you. I appreciate it. What do you got going on today, Susan? Well, I am at the Governor's Ag Conference, day number two, and we're going to kick it all off at 1219 as Greg Dowd sits down to talk to me. Greg, of course, is a chief agricultural negotiator in the office of the U.S. Trade Representative. So we're going to kind of get his thoughts on a few things that have been happening Country, in country and out of country. Then at 12.45, Bryce will step in in the future. He'll recap the full tour. He was on the Nebraska Soybean Board's See for Yourself Tour. So we'll talk about what he sees from exporters in the Pacific Northwest. And then we'll finish it all up at 1.17 as Chabella will talk uh, with the Kemp and the TCD form that was underway. All right. Lots of things going on. Hey, make sure you tell, uh, from all of us, tell Jesse Harding hi for us, okay? I will do so. She's just an arm length away, so okay. I'll let well, her know. Slap her around a little bit for us. I, I think. Okay. okay. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Susan. Yep. Bye. You know, if she heard that, she'd slap you first. Oh, I know. That's. But I feel <laughs> confident in the distance that I have that I'm going to be safe. <laughs> just <laughs> saying. I know. Jason, Jason's in here. How are you today, sir? Not bad. Good. All right. What do you got going on today? Spring football, of course, started up this week for the Huskers. It starts this afternoon for UNK. Of course, UNK coming off one of its best seasons in a long time. But Coach Lynn and his coaching staff, they have to replace 10 Mm. all-conference players from that squad. So we'll touch on that a little bit. Also, we are getting uh, deeper and deeper. You know, March Madness is just around the corner. Uh, Conference tournaments getting set to begin. Uh, The Huskers will... Probably play their last game of the season, I would think, tomorrow night, but you never know. As they take on Indiana, maybe the mayor can uh, circle the wagons. Oh Oddly enough, uh, Deshaun Burke came out with a weird tweet today. Uh, of course, he'd been suspended, mm-hmm. suspended indefinitely, but uh, he said he's not going to be playing in the Big Ten tournament for the Huskers and pretty much announced his departure from the school. So okay. I think that's the last we've seen from Deshaun. <sighs> It's been a weird year, hasn't it? It has. Also, Husker baseball this afternoon. Weather permitting, they'll take on northern Colorado. Huskers have been busy of late. Uh, that game will start around 4, and we will have it for folks locally on Cami Country. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. And, boy, stocks volatile today all over the place. Stocks have given up their gains and are heading south a little bit. Uh, they're up just a bit. Um, the S&P 500 had its worst drop in more than a decade yesterday. Investors are still wanting to see the number of infections from the new coronavirus decelerate. Meanwhile, airlines are slashing flights and freezing hiring uh, as they experience a sharp drop in bookings and a rise in cancellations in the face of the virus. And uh, major European airlines are canceling flights to and from Italy after the country put a nationwide lockdown on travel. So that's kind of the way things are shaping up right now. All right. That's all coming up on Midday. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined with Mike Zuzlo of Global Commodity Analytics. 
Well, time for us to take a look at our uh, weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio today and a little bit better today than it was yesterday and then better tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah, tomorrow going to be by far our next nicest day of the next week and maybe for quite a while as we see highs tomorrow on into the 60s to around 70 in many locations. So better get your projects done tomorrow because it does turn cold and unsettled the rest of the week and then actually probably for a while after that so all right well <laughs> nice to see you paul talk to you later so, sorry to rain on your parade for your birthday mr <laughs> uh, scott foster yeah, that's how it goes. mr older scott yeah, foster older and where are our older. birthday treats yeah i don't know they, i'm sure they're in the mail oh, okay they're coming, they're coming in <laughs> Right now, we do have temperatures in the low and mid-30s across much of central and northeast Nebraska, especially if you're along and north of I-80, because we do have some rain continuing to fall. Uh, some scattered rain along and northeast of the line from about Broken Bow to Grand Island and then points to the northeast quite a fairly solid shield of some rain that continues to move east through the region this morning. That's where temperatures are in the low and mid-30s. To the north of I-80 from about Kearney on over to Lincoln and then points to the north. Otherwise, many of our temperatures in the upper 30s to low 40s. We do have some temperatures into the mid-40s over northern Kansas and northwest Kansas. And up to 50 already in Ogallala and some low 50s in northeast Colorado. That's because a lot more sunshine is in some western locations. Looks like a lot of that sunshine along and west of the line from Thedford to Lexington, Phillipsburg, and Plainville. The clouds to the east of that line, and then a lot of sunshine as you do head towards the west. Our temperatures today expected to warm into the 60s in those western locations where we will see more sunshine. The 50s found across the central and east where the clouds will be a little more stubborn and stick around a little bit longer. Rain and some thunderstorms once again possible as we head into tonight with the passage of the milder Pacific air front. Rain chances will be mainly this evening in Nebraska and northwest Kansas, but north central Kansas rain chances will increase after midnight with a marginal risk of severe storms. So actually the potential of a little bit of rough weather, not a big threat. Ahead of another front, tomorrow looks to be our warmest of the next seven days. Temperatures about 20 degrees above normal. Then some colder Canadian air with scattered rain will arrive with a cold front for tomorrow night. Good chances for rain also arrive for Friday evening as a slow-moving area of low pressure ejects out of the four corners. Rain is likely to change to snow for Friday night into Saturday morning, and there is the potential if it gets cold enough for accumulating snow. Impacts will depend on those temperatures and the track of the system. Some smaller snow and rain chances will linger into Monday on the backside of this system. Temperatures will be seasonal to slightly cooler than usual, so a system to watch as we head towards the weekend. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures expected to remain slightly cooler than normal Sunday through March 23rd. During the middle of March, central Nebraska daytime highs usually average in the low 50s with average overnight lows in the upper 20s. Above normal precipitation likely for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through the 23rd, especially the early part of next week. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning for Nebraska in the low to mid-30s. Soil temperatures in the low 40s in Kansas. Weather factors impacting the markets include frequent periods and continued chances of rain in the central U.S., High pressure over Alaska will move to the southeast, reach the northern high plains this weekend. Much colder air with that area of high pressure will be preceded by rain and snow. The Midwest weather remains unsettled the rest of the week with several rounds of rain. The eastern Midwest will see the greatest activity. Fieldwork concerns are growing as soils remain saturated and the threat of flooding continues in much of the Midwest. 
in the northern plains. Some late harvest will continue with some lighter precipitation the rest of this week. Stormier weather, though, expected in the northern plains by this next weekend. The southern plains frequent rounds of light precipitation the rest of the week will benefit winter grains coming out of dormancy. The wheat crop rating is slightly better in Kansas, but notably lower in Texas when compared with the previous week. The Delta Springfield work will continue to be disrupted by a new threat of flooding from a series of heavy rains the rest of this week. In Brazil, heavy rain will extend southward from northern into central crop areas the rest of the week and benefit the second crop corn. Southern Brazil's rain will be lighter, and it's coming too late to prevent some loss in soybean production for those far southern areas of Brazil. All right, very good. Well, we'll keep an eye on things and unsettled a little bit here for a while. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, below normal temperatures and above normal precipitation as we head into that long term, and it looks like it's going to be starting up about Friday. Oh, good. Good. That's perfect timing. All right. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTap, KRVN.com. Take a look at the happenings of the world of trade. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The Governor's Ag Conference is underway today in Kearney, and I had the opportunity to talk with Greg Dowd. He's the Chief Agricultural Negotiator in the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative. An article earlier this week, Dowd had said and talked of the overhauled, redone, and renegotiated when it comes to over half of U.S. ag exports in less than two years. It kind of puts into perspective the work that's been done by the Trade Representative's office. He had this to say. Uh, When you add Canada and Mexico and Japan and China, uh, in 2019 trade data, that would have been 47% of our ag exports. We've renegotiated those agreements. Now, with Canada and Mexico, those are our top two markets. That's $41 billion out of $141 billion in ag exports are Canada and Mexico. You add uh, China as another 13 or excuse me, uh, 14 in, in China last year and uh, Japan 13. But the goal here with China is to really... Uh, increase that number. And and here's a really interesting statistic for you. China's total ag imports from the world last year were $133 billion, up from 124 the year before. It's $133 billion. Think about this. Our total ag exports were 141 to the whole world. So China imports in ag almost as much as we export to the entire world. And so that was the conversation when we started out with China that I had with my counterpart, the Vice Minister of Agriculture. I said, you know, the best we've ever done is 24 out of that 124 at the time. I said, you know, we can do a whole lot better than that if we get all these things fixed. And so in this ag text with China, we fixed some 57 things. And some of those things have been issues for decades. And so the point here is that from in the context of $133 billion, Taking that from 24 to 40 really isn't that much. You, you look at that information, and I want to switch it around to the consumer because they hear about all this negotiation, they hear about agriculture, and it kind of goes up over their heads because it doesn't have anything to do with them. But it really does. Well, uh, here's an interesting thing to think about this is we are exporting 8% of our pork now to China. 8% of U.S. pork production is going to China. And I had this conversation with the guy in the pork producers the other day. He said, why aren't pork prices up? And I said, well, that's because so far this year, pork production is up 8%. So in the grand scheme of things, uh, what, what from a consumer standpoint, what they need to know is 
or poultry production were around plus 4%, plus or minus. Beef, plus 4%, plus or minus. Pork, plus anywhere in any given week, five, six, seven, eight percent That's a lot of meat that is, and production is being increased. Expectation that we're going to export that, and I think we will. Uh, but that gives, you know, what that says is that uh, we are very, very good at what we do, and that's an enormous opportunity for the U.S. consumer. You know, you're going to have no price pressure there from a meat standpoint at the meat case in the U.S. Uh, anytime soon. Yet our ability to, uh, you know, the price may not be a whole lot higher, but the volume that we're going to produce, so it's a price times quantity kind of discussion. Uh, you know, and I, and I remind folks all the time that uh, those pigs and chickens out there, those aren't really pigs and chickens. They are little walking piles of corn and soybean meal. Part of my conversation with Greg Dowd. Greg is keynote speaker taking place here shortly at the Governor's Ag Conference. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for us to check in on sports, and Jason Jorgensen is in studio with us. A Nebraska spring practice underway, and uh, we'll see what kind of stuff comes out of there this uh, this spring. Well, so far it sounded a lot like what we've heard of the past. <laughs> Kool-Aid for everyone. Yeah, if you want to drink it. <laughs> Running back Wandale Robinson already says he sees some differences from last year. I would definitely say the attitude of our team. Everybody knows what it takes for us to win. Everybody knows what it's going to take for us to do all the things that we want to accomplish. Um, so just everybody bought in, especially in the lifting and strength and conditioning. So um, that's just what we're going to have to do. And you is scheduled to work out again tomorrow. UNK starts spring practice this afternoon. The Lopers will work out 15 times between now and April the 10th when they will hold their spring game. Head coach Josh Lynn and his staff must replace 10 all MIAA players off of last year's team that went 7-5 and five and won the Mineral Water Bowl. Now the 2020 season starts at home for the Lopers if you're planning ahead on Thursday, September the 3rd against Missouri Southern. Husker baseball team continues its 10 games in 10 days stretch with a pair of midweek contest against Northern Colorado. Huskers and Bears face each other this afternoon at 4.05, tomorrow at 1.35. Nebraska enters a week having won four out of its last five, including two wins by seven more runs. Northern Colorado enters the series on a two-game losing streak. Did you know that Nebraska and Northern Colorado played each other for 15 consecutive seasons, hmm. but did not face off last year for some reason? Well, that is weird. But in early March, you could always plan on the Huskers and Northern Colorado playing for a while. Husker uh, baseball notes, senior outfielder Joe Acker received Big Ten Player of the Week accolades. He started all four games against Columbia, went 5 of 10 during the series with a home run, a double, and two RBIs. We will have today's game against Northern Colorado locally on Cami Country. Marcus Zagorowski probably will miss seventh-ranked Creighton's first game in the Big East tournament because of an injury to his right knee. The athletic department announced the sophomore guard has a meniscus injury and is listed as doubtful for the Blue Jays game on Thursday against Georgetown or St. John's. And, of course, we saw today, it just was announced, the Ivy League, they are canceling their tournament. Ooh. And uh, we'll see if how this all shakes out with the coronavirus. Also, it makes you kind of wonder how the NCAA will yeah. deal with March Madness. Can you imagine those games being played with to, in empty stadiums I can't. and stuff? It just doesn't uh, feel... Also, you've got to wonder what... I mean, I'm just speculating, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't, but... Who knows what will become the spring game for the Huskers in a month? Good point. I guess it all depends on if they can get a handle on this. Yeah, it's 
crazy. Hope it doesn't come to that. No, I hope so, too. That is Check Sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. All right. Thank you, Jason. On. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources, including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus, hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Governor Pete Ricketts and state leaders held a briefing at the state capitol on Monday to provide an update on Nebraska's recovery from the 2019 floods. This week marks one year since blizzards and rainstorms caused flooding across the state in March 2019. Kyle Schneeweiss, director of the Nebraska Department of Transportation, gives numbers for the damage to roads. Uh, So we're at about $121 million in damage to the state system, another $44 million in damage to the local system. This is just the piece that's that's federal aid eligible, which all you need to know is that's about a quarter to a fifth of their systems. If you're a county, about a a quarter to a fifth is what's represented here. Schneewey says nearly 3,300 miles of highway that were closed by flooding and flood damage were open again within 30 days. The governor and several agency directors also spoke about the state's disaster preparedness efforts. While Nebraska was drier than normal last month in February, there remains a risk of flooding should Nebraska experience heavy precipitation this spring. A Lexington police officer was forced to jump inside a vehicle during a confrontation on Friday to avoid being run over. Shortly before noon, officers were dispatched to a Casey's General Store in Lexington. Captain Paul Schwartz talks about what happened while attempting to arrest 20-year-old Gabino Laguna sitting in the Ford excursion who had a warrant out for his arrest. Officers responded and tried to arrest him, tried to get him out of the vehicle. Kind of a fight ensued and he was yelling at the female driver to just drive, 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 drive. She put it in reverse and started to back up and the officer wasn't completely in the vehicle. He kind of standing out there, but they kind of had a hold of each other, so he jumped in to avoid being run over, and then she threw it in drive and took off with our officer inside. The driver, 19-year-old Cecilia Reyes, stopped a short distance after. At this time, Laguna threw out a meth pipe uh, out of his pocket to the driver's seat. Other officers arrived at the scene to assist in the arrest. Both Laguna and Reyes faced multiple charges. The offices of Kansas legislative leaders would see an 11% increase in their funding under a proposal that has cleared committee. Almost all of the new dollars would go to top Republicans. The House Appropriations Committee added the money before approving the Republican-controlled legislature's proposed budget for the fiscal year that begins in July. The biggest increases of nearly 58% would go to the offices with the smallest budgets. They are the Senate Vice President and the House Speaker Pro Tem. The proposal goes next to the House. Top Democrats strongly criticized the proposal and said such spending is not a priority. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. From Pond to Port, 
This Nebraska soybean board trip helps Nebraska farmers understand where their soybeans go after being delivered to the local grain elevator. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. The 2020 See for Yourself Tour brought farmers across Nebraska together to travel to the Pacific Northwest last week. The PNW region is key for soybean exports. According to the Nebraska Soybean Board, in the 2018-19 marketing year, nearly a quarter of all U.S. soybean exports traveled through this region. Farmers selected to be part of the program are able to attend checkoff-sponsored activities to gain a better understanding of how their soy checkoff dollars are being invested to build demand domestically and internationally. Victor Buslowski is the executive director of the Soybean Board. And so when producers come back, um, they're just in awe about what's all going on and how important it is that we are doing things like this to market their soybeans. And so uh, I've not, never had a negative um, response from anyone that I visited with after it. They all are just amazed at what's going on to get, make sure that we get their soybeans consumed. And uh, when they get to see them loading ships and, and unloading rail cars to get onto them ships, well, they, they understand that there's a lot going on. Soybeans in Nebraska are often processed in the state. That's the case for soy that is delivered to the Ag Processing Inc. or AGP facility in Hastings, Nebraska. Sam Pratt is one of the green merchandisers. In Hastings, Nebraska, we are buying soybeans from different cooperatives and elevators in the Nebraska area as well as some of the neighboring states. And we're processing them into a high-protein soybean meal. And about 80 percent or so of the soybean meal that we produce right in Hastings, Nebraska is being railed out on 100 car unit trains out to the Pacific Northwest to our port in Aberdeen, Washington and the Port of Grace Harbor. And from there it is shipping out in vessels to countries throughout Southeast Asia. She says it is important to AGB to process those soybeans here in the U.S. instead of shipping the soybeans in their raw state. Yeah, so at our port in Aberdeen, Washington, we have the ability to ship out raw soybeans, but we are we choose to support our own local crush margins in the U.S. and are shipping out the finalized products such as soybean meal instead of soybeans. So that's why we're not going into China directly because they also want to support their own crush margins too. As Sam said, once processed in Nebraska, the soybean meal is shipped to the PNW. That's where BNSF Railway comes in. As one of the leading freight transportation companies in North America, many Nebraska soy products are shipped out on BNSF railways. Wahoo Nebraska farmer Tom Herlichka shares his reaction to learning more about the company. Well, I just think that the amount of product that they move and just the logistics of you know, trying to move that, you know, that product across the United States. You know, so. And the amount of maintenance and everything like that it takes to you know, to keep that going. He says it is important to see and understand the full process of where soybeans go after being grown in the state. Yes, it is. You know, you just think just because, you know, you, you get it out of the field and you get it to the local, your local co-op or whatever, and uh, you feel, well, that's the end of your uh, job. But, I mean, for it to actually get to from your field to the consumer is a very long, uh, you know, process. Once that soybean meal from Hastings arrives in the PNW, it is unloaded at AGP's export facility at the Port of Grays Harbor. Brad Mulkin is the plant supervisor. We unload it into our storage silos. That way, when we do go to load it, we can pull continuously out of uh, four silos maximum to the vessel running 1,500 metric tons an hour. If 
we're running three or three shifts around the clock. A vessel of about 47, 49,000 metric tons will take about three and a half days to finish. He says they nearly set a record last year with the number of vessels filled with soybean meal. We did 55 vessels last year. Year before we did 55 also. Uh, we almost had a record this year because we finished uh, a vessel on January 2nd, so that would have been we're very close to making a record by one ship this year. As for the end destination? The majority goes to the Philippines. We've done uh, New Zealand, Australia, Bangladesh, Vietnam, mostly uh, the Asian nations. When soybeans are shipped as raw products, they follow a similar path. The tour participants visited Temco, which is a joint venture between Cargill and CHS that buys, sells, stores, and handles grain for export. Mark Jensen is the plant manager. He describes the size of one of the vessels, which was actually being loaded with soybeans the day that the group visited. So the, the boat we're loading today, or the vessel we're loading today, is taking 72,000 metric tons, or about 2.6 million bushels of soybeans, uh, like I said, from originations from South Dakota, North Dakota, and Nebraska. Um, it takes about six and a half shuttle trains worth of cargo to fill this boat, and we'll have it loaded uh, we're, we're running a little slow, so this will be about a seven-day seven, seven uh, load on this vessel. So about 10,000 tons a day. We are capable of much faster than that, but the supply chain has slowed us down a little bit. As for this vessel's destination? Yeah, so, so this vessel is one of our last vessels that we're going to be loading in the near future that's uh, headed to China. From Pond to Port, the Nebraska soybean farmers on the tour all said they enjoyed following their product to the Pacific Northwest. Scott Ritzman is the Associate Executive Director of the Nebraska Soybean Board. He encourages farmers to apply to attend next year's tour. We have two ways you can do it. The first way is you can talk to your district board member who represents your district on our board, as well as you can call into the Nebraska Soybean Office and inquire about the application to sign up for next year's See for Yourself program. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Twelve fifty-three. Time for our business report here on midday on this Tuesday after the carnage of yesterday. We're seeing stocks rebound a little bit. It's been a volatile day. They have been up pretty high, up well above uh, twenty-four thousand. Then they dropped down again into the twenty-three-six area where it opened, and they are uh, recovering once again. Let's take a look at. Uh, Worldwide stocks in the overnights, the Japanese Nikkei was up 169. Hong Kong's Hang Seng was up 308. The FTSE in London up about five, and uh, the German DAX index index recovered, uh, or excuse me, did not recover. They're down 147. Good news for the 10-year yield, which is a leading indicator of uh, recession. That was up 36 percentage points today, up to. Still just at 0.68% on their yield. For the Dow Jones Industrial Averages, right now up 168 points. The NASDAQ is up 87, and the Standard Poor is up 20. Bob Brogan with more. Stocks are higher on Wall Street after another bout of volatile trading took the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 945 points in the early going. And then briefly into the red by late morning. Markets bumped up again just around midday. After Vice President Mike Pence said the nation's big health insurers 
would cover co-pays for coronavirus testing. The Dow was up 190 points as of 1.05 p.m. Eastern. Investors are likely to see more big swings until the number of infections from the new coronavirus decelerate, market watchers say. And they also want a big coordinated response from governments and from central banks. Airlines are slashing flights and freezing hiring as they experience a sharp drop in bookings and a rise in cancellations in the face of the coronavirus. Delta is saying today that travel demand has fallen so badly in the past week that it expects one-third of seats to be empty this month on flights within the U.S. Major European airlines are canceling flights to and from Italy after that country put a nationwide lockdown on travel. British Airways said today, uh, British Airways said today it's canceling all flights and uh, it could not confirm the status of future flights. So that's uh, kind of a disturbing thing. Also, Securities and Exchange Commission employees will be working remotely for the foreseeable uh, for the foreseeable future after a coronavirus scare at its Washington headquarters. So lots of reactions. And one other thing that uh, is being that I hadn't thought of before is that uh, there are concerns that the uh, tourism industry in Nebraska and uh, quite honestly across the whole country could be impacted and a lot of markets are dependent on that uh, you can just uh, throw a stick out your window and and uh, it's, there's that's one other thing to be concerned about what's what impact is that going to have it's interesting. They are talked. They talked a little bit about how we're starting to see South Korea and China starting to see them the the cases waning, and so that's certainly the hope I think for everybody. Right, but uh, well, it remains to be seen what happens. But that's something to keep uh, in the uh, in mind. Okay. All right. Thank you, Bob. Authoritative and dependable. That's KRVN News. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Greater Nebraska's biggest newsroom brings you local and regional news on the half hour. I'm Dave Schroeder. Fox News at the top and breaking news on demand. From the Rural Radio Network, I'm Tyler Cavalli. Program 880 in every car, at work or at home, or listen all day online at krvn.com or by downloading our free KRVN app. The Twin Cities Development Association is hosting a hemp forum entitled It's Time to Get Down and Dirty About Hemp on Saturday, March 14th at the UNL Panhandle Research and Extension Center in Scotts Bluff. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. The forum will have a variety of speakers, including Andrew Bish of Giltner. His company is a manufacturer of combine header adapters designed to plant, grow, and harvest hemp. Bish says both the farmer and consumer are pushing the interest in hemp. I think from a, a farmer perspective, just being able to be profitable on, on the, a farm today. So those concerns are driving a lot of farmers to look at alternative crops. Um, hemp happens to be uh, a crop that just happens to grow really well in areas like the Midwest. The consumer uh, side of things has been driven mostly from uh, the, the CBD uh, interest by consumers they they found uh you know a lot of people are finding relief for uh typically inflammation based 
diseases as a result of CBD. And because of the amount of demand from consumers, that has then led to the other reason uh, farmers are looking at hemp, the high commodity prices that are available from hemp. Bish says today's numbers for hemp are still relatively higher than what most farmers see for corn and soybeans. He adds while there is a lot of interest, there are still challenges in the growing industry. There's still no market, really, that's been developed. There, the, the, the idea that there's an established marketplace that a farmer can take his crops to, um, that, that doesn't exist at all. Um, uh, mainly, a lot of these products that we see on our store shelves have been driven out of the fact that there aren't a market, and so different producers and growers have, have put their own labels on there. They've created their own brands and started retail, retailing their own product. Bish admits there is risk in growing the crop. The biggest problem, he says, in Nebraska is there is no processing capabilities. He says farmers who do decide to grow the crop need to be patient and have storage. You know, we can start it from the, the farmer level or it can start in the, the, the level of the processor. But ultimately, either somebody that has a tremendous amount of money to establish a processing facility and then find customers. That's how we're going to start to develop the market. Somebody comes in with actually enough revenue to to bankroll uh, that type of situation. If that doesn't occur, uh, what and what I think the more likely scenario is and how we should be approaching this is Nebraska farmers should be looking at using this year as an experimentation uh, year, storing their commodity that they're harvesting because there will be an outlet for it. And the fact is, if you end up with, you know, 50 farmers across Nebraska or 100 farmers across Nebraska that all grew five acres of uh, whether it be flour or seeds or stock, there's going to be material that a processor is going to find attractive to want to process, and that's going to bring a processor into the state. The TCD Forum will be Saturday, March 14th from 10 to 4 and covers hemp as CBD, biomass, fiber mass, and seeds. Hemp experts will be on hand to answer questions on growing, licensing, insurance, banking, harvesting, processing, and more. Cost is $20 and lunch will be provided. For more information and to register for an accurate lunch count, contact Carrie Siegel Heimbach at 308-633-2863. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Trabella Guzman. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.